Sit back and relax. Educate and inform. Cozy conversations, dropping knowledge that's for real. Indigo Studio, always in the know. With Hermine Hartman, you'll be enlightened. Hi, this is Hermine Hartman, and this is another episode of A Cozy Conversation. Today, let me explain Black again. My guest, Pepper Miller, a longtime friend, she's a researcher. She looks at consumer patterns, behavior, trends of the Black consumer, and she shares that information with corporations, with corporate brands targeting the Black consumer, telling them what to do, how they might affect their advertising, and so forth. Now, Pepper, your first book was written in 2012, What's Black About It? Then you wrote another book, Black Still Matters. These are all marketing and understanding Black culture perspectives. And now we have a new book, Let Me Explain Black Again. So welcome to Cozy Conversation at Indigo Studio. And tell me why, let me explain Black again in the first place. Hermine, I am just so full and delighted to be here with you. This is wonderful just to constantly see your growth as well. So I'm, you know, I could make this all about you, but I thank you for having me here. Um, so let me explain Black again was written one out of three things, the millennial power. So what I have been observing is that all millennials desire a nation of equality, and they have a tremendous influence in terms of politics and culture. The Black millennials are a representation of Black progress, the Black community's progress, better educated, more entrepreneurial, more unapologetic. So they are standing on our shoulders and helping us move forward. The second thing, there were three American disruptors, Trump, COVID, and George Floyd. Those three disruptors have changed the way the entire country thinks about race. Now, Black people think about being Black 90% of the time versus white people who think about white 10% of the time. But when those three disruptors happened, they had an aha moment, society and business leaders. And um, when George Floyd was murdered, um, there was an overdue awakening, as Time magazine calls it. So that has helped, in our favor, a lot of corporations to rethink about how they look at different audiences. And then the third thing, since I began this market research journey in 1995 are four words that I continue to hear over and over again. What when I do the Black Insights presentations, when I write books, when I do focus groups, those four words are pepper. I didn't know. I didn't know. That's but what white, white people say to white, you, white corporations. Say, yes, white corporations say that to me. They pull me to the side, kind of doing it in confidence, or they send me an email. And so I've heard those four words even more so now in this age of George Floyd. So I was like, I need to write another book. And I started writing this book before George Floyd's murder. And every day I say, thank you, George Floyd, because it added a lot more 
texture and insights about our culture and about white American culture too. So that was my, my motivation. How was your empathy? You say you've identified the disruptors. One of the things I say is that we've had a revolution. Mm. Okay. And the revolution was Facebook, Google, and TikTok. You know, it's given us another means of communication. Okay. And we still don't know what to do with it. Okay. Well, We're still trying to figure it out. Well, you know, I like your revolution. Uh, in 2010, 2009, I first learned about Black Twitter. Now, Black Twitter could be part of what you're talking about, this revolution, because Black Twitter had the still does, has the power to make a brand or take you down. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, Black Twitter that caused Paula Dean to fall in her business. She had other opportunities. You took her out. The, um, one of the jurors from the Trayvon Martin trial had lined up this big book deal and Black Twitter galvanized themselves to stop that. I mean, they sent out tweets to the publisher, to the people, and to everybody else, and that person lost that contract. Is that part of the cancel culture yes, uh, behavior? It is. It, it, mm-hmm. it is. The cancel mm-hmm. culture has, I think it's gone a little bit extreme because mm-hmm. we're in the culture of I'm offended. Everybody is offended by something. But that power that we have in social media can cancel you out. You're so right. you travel the country. And you work with the large white corporate companies as they try to appeal to the black consumer. So overall, what do you find is the black dynamic? I think that the black dynamic actually is what they don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of, um, of blind spots. I mean, there's a ton of blind spots, and I identify seven of them here. I think the most important blind spot and dynamic that we have and that corporations don't want to face is our, is our history. My work with them is more about understanding us instead of you need to target us. Uh, if they understand us better, then they can target us more effectively in a relevant way. So that blind spot is this avoidance of our history. Black people are different. We are different. We have a different lens in terms of how we see ourselves. The black lens, and how we call we, it. How we perceive how others see us. Um, and so we have this different treatment and different uh, beliefs and behavior as of all of that. And what I discovered, Hermine, are all these characteristics, badge value, old school characteristics, respect, um, code switching, all of those things and more ladder up to this, this insight about our history. But we're also in this culture of the great erasure. But if, if brands understood that history uh, and that foundation, that would that truly is the one of the most dynamic characteristics of black america that they can understand and it's a it's a big avoidance of so that. i guess an example of that would be uh the Aunt jemima pancake box for example and uncle ben's and rice. uncle ben's rice for example yeah. that quaker oh, roats yes. uh produce so after the george floyd incident murder uh, people revamped themselves, and we got a new 
a new something. Absolutely. So brands reconsidered, as you as you're pointing out, that history is important to us and um, needs to be thought about. It needs impacts to be and it, it, it puts out the do. stereotypes. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, what you talked about the eraser. What is the great eraser? What, what does that mean? It's uh, the great eraser is the erasing of our story, erasing of our history. Of black culture? Of, well, eventually it would come down to that, but it, it starts with the history. And that's important. Younger people, white, black, Asian, desire a nation of equality. These politicians know what they're doing. They desire a nation of equality. Younger people are more diverse. They have diverse friends. I got a gay friend. I got a black friend. I got a Hispanic friend. And that presents itself with a more mindset of democracy and equality for all. And if you flip that, and I don't even know if that's called gaslighting, but to flip that and make that negative, just like being woke is what's happening. So what they're doing is telling parents and young people that, you know, black history hurts white children. Black history, to talk about it and, and to teach it, hurts black people because it makes us victims. This is a critical race theory. That's a critical Syndrome. race theory. Don't that's... read these books. Take the books out and of the happening. schools. And it's happening. By law, it's happening. In Utah, in, in Tennessee, Florida. in Florida, in Texas, Martin Luther King, slavery gone from those books. Slavery reason... is called forced uh, integration. There's power in the vote in that. Young white kids who believe in equality and inclusion will be likely, more likely to vote Democratic, would be likely to vote for a person of color, would be likely to want laws changed, would be likely to want to know everyone's history. So what about, does that carry into Abraham Lincoln being a Republican? It would. President well, black freed, people were Republicans that's, back that's in the right. day. That's right, because Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. Because he freed the slaves. And then when the Kennedys came aboard and were talking about more um, inclusion and uh, policies that would help civil us. Civil rights. Civil rights, thank you, Hermine. Then it, then it flipped over. But young people have surpassed the boomers in terms of size and growth. So they are a very, very important voting block. What are the generational differences? Give me three significant differences between the boomers and Generation X. What are, what are three things? If I'm trying to appeal to the boomers, I do what? I think the boomers have a lot of the old school standards, which weren't wrong. They worked for us. Don't make waves. Um, you know, don't embarrass us. Um, it's the 150% rule, which is still something we pass on to our young people. We look have a certain way. Look a certain way. We have to be more. We have to be better. Mm -hmm. And I think the younger people, the, the Gen Xers, the millennials, are unapologetically Black. I love that. And what that means is that they are really embracing their identity for who they are, and they're caring less about mainstream standards. I'm wearing my hair kinky to work and curly. Uh, I'm standing behind the Crown Act, which supports um, uh, Black people wearing their hair in a natural state without retribution. Um, I am celebrating my full figure. I am, you know, it's all about a celebration of 
of identity, but they would not be able to do that if they couldn't stand on the shoulders of us keeping our head down. Mm -hmm. I think that's a major overarching difference between the younger people and the boomers. Small businesses are the pillars of our communities and they deserve our support. The BMO for Black and Latin X businesses program provides that support by giving you better access to educational resources, partnerships, and funding. BMO has already made an impact by providing financing to more than 1,200 businesses throughout the Midwest. Business owners who are part of the program benefit from a wide range of tools, webinars, and coaching to help you focus on what you do best, and that's growing your business. Meaningful partner connections give you access to professional networks and alternative funding resources to help your business scale. And funding for your business comes with expanded credit criteria and competitive interest rates to help you obtain the working capital that you need to succeed. If you identify as a business or Latinx business owner, BMO Harris is here to help your business thrive and create capacity to grow. Learn more at bmoharris.com slash black and Latinx. When a bank helps you make real financial progress, well, that's the BMO effect. So you've talked a little bit about politics and how there are politicians recognizing these differences and they want to wipe it out. So let's just, you know, wipe the books off the shelf. Let's not Correct. talk about it that's right. because it affects whites and blacks. So let's not, when whites say it affects whites a certain way, uh, my question is, yeah, but does it affect blacks a certain way too? You know, but anyway, that that becomes a discussion. But given that, why do you think young people, Gen Z, this 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 demographic that you say is so impactful, why do they not vote? Why are they non-voters for the most part? I, they, I think a lot of the young people are not voting because they they are witnessing a very messy government. They're, they don't like the candidates, or they don't like the government. They don't, they don't the like government. the candidates. They don't like the government because you know there are promises that are constantly being broken uh, all the time, um, and they're they're not seeing movement. They're not seeing enough change. They too are the instant gratification society. We have to remember that. Mm -hmm. um, we might want to wait and give a candidate a little time to get in office and get situated and they want to see change very quickly. But you're right. I mean, the government is messy. They don't like the candidates. They don't see change, especially the nonconformist black people that live in the black community. It's like I talked to a woman the other day who I hadn't talked to in a long time and she was telling me she lived in a food desert. Now, I live in a big city. The Jewel is, I walk to the Jewel. It's a, it's a nice little walk, but I walk my errands. And the Walgreens is there and the CVS is there. And I can't imagine her not having, having those. that. And so yeah. people who grow up and see that and they hear these promises about equality and, and opportunity, um, they don't, it, it's. Doesn't register. And why should I vote? It's not going yes, to make a difference is what they constantly yes, say. Doesn't make a difference. So you had you, you talked about the disruptors. Trump was a disruptor. COVID changed us. We're still going through it. We still don't we, it's That's the right, aftermath. We are. Right. George Floyd. What about President Barack Obama as the first black president? 
What was his effect on marketing to black people? Lord have mercy. Do we have we have you have you assessed that? Well, completely? I, you know, I, I talk about it in the book. Mm -hmm. um, actually, the first book I wrote was What's Black About It was in 2005, and Black Still Matters in Marketing was 2012. That was during the Obama presidency. And Hermine, I thought I was going to be in there. I was so happy for myself in the black marketing and advertising community. And what happened was there was a perception that we were post-racial. Mm -hmm. So there was a, 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 a disinvestment in black media, black marketing, black research, black advertising, uh, many black agencies. The affirmation down. of blackness went away. You saw black ad agencies dwindle. Exactly. And some people in the agency business say, Obama hurt them. He hurt them by saying things like, I am for one America. I am for e you know, equality. And, and they're saying that he, he meant well because you have to speak to um, not just black people, but all Americans. That was his political yeah, was his, activity. Yeah, but at the same time, clients heard, we're one America now, so we don't have to divide it racially, Hispanic, Black women, we don't have to do the separation. Do. And when it comes to Black people, hmm. language has become the cultural identifier. Uh, so if they recognize a different language, there's a recognition of a different culture. Because we speak English, they tend to roll us in with mainstream from a marketing standpoint anyway. And I've heard on too many occasions a client would ask this rhetorical question, they speak English, don't they? And there's a lot of issues with that, the they, the speak English, all of that. But the sentence collectively, they speak English, don't they, is really a rationale for not investing in black marketing, advertising, research, and media. How do we reverse it, or should we reverse it, or do we reverse well, it? Well, my response is yes, we speak English, but are you talking to me? So publications like Indigo and podcasts like Indigo uh, speaks to Black people in their culture in a relevant way. And I don't mean using Ebonics. This is relevant, relatable, and what we call positive realism. There is Pookie and Ray Ray on the corner, yes. And we see those people in our community, but they become the face of, of black people. That's an overarching stereotype about our community is that we are to be feared, black men is to be feared. When I looked at the, during the election, um, the, which election? The, um, was it the president? No, the recent, was it the presidential election? Biden? Yes. Wait a minute, we just had an election. Trump versus uh, presidential election? Um, Trump-Biden? No, it, it was the Biden. It was the Trump-Biden election. Mm -hmm. And the issues were sending people to the, the polls. Crime was one of the issues. And when you think crime, you, you think, think black, black people. Top you think issue, black men. Top issue in America right now in mayoral elections. Is crime. It's crime. And Eric Adams from New York, we've just had an election in Chicago and our incumbent mayor lost the election. This will be studied for years to come. But one of the statements that Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, said is this is the way they're going to take out the black mayors, is they are going to blame the crime 
on us and we didn't solve it, therefore, time for new stock to come in, new politician to come in. He was like, that's going to be the narrative. I thought that was so perceptive. I did too. Um, and as we look at the two candidates that, that's that we exactly. have. I am so sick of the crime story. I don't I know too. what to do. I am too. It's like, what about economic development? What about exactly. education? What about exactly. uh, the deserts exactly. that exist? Uh, it, 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 has, it has prompted me to say the next election, I'm going to have a debate, but the debate is going to be a people's debate. No moderators, only the people in the audience can ask questions and that they need some, that. they need some correction. You gotta they like need be able some... to control that. You know, we got an angry mob in the audience. I like the idea of the people having a voice, having which a voice. is what Indigo has long been. Yes, that's, that's, that's what we, that's what we've tried to do. Yes, yes. So uh, we've talked about the disruptors. And we've talked about the blind spots. We've talked about the presidential era of the Obama years and how it reversed. I thought when, when Obama won, and we know Obama from when he was a state senator. Yes, we were yes the, he was on the cover of Indigo. He, we were the very first story on Obama oh was in Indigo. But I thought, what did you think? What was your anticipation of when he became president. Did you think America, that racism would go away? And uh, it was a Washington Post report. It was right. a story that said we were now in a post-racial. I had a fit when I read that. Absolutely. Uh, I didn't think like, it was. Where, where do you live? I thought because white people voted for Obama that there was going to be a bigger change and more opportunities for inclusion. Right. And I didn't see that. And then I read something that talked about how voting for Obama made a lot of white people feel good and not racist. And it's not they 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 liked him, they thought he was capable, but it made them feel like they weren't racist. But they were very hard on him. They those a lot of those people that voted for him had a lot of unrealistic expectations. He was expected to be Superman, to absolutely fix everything in the world and in the country. But that's the white perception, but the black perception was what? I think we the, thought it too. Yes, we did. We did. We thought he was going to we be did. I kept You're saying, absolutely right, Hermine. We, we thought did. it too. That's why I'm like, ooh, let me get my book out. Let me think about how this is a new way to be black today in America. I was like all the way down. The I road. thought racism would go away. I thought mm -hmm. racism, yeah, I did. I thought you will see, look like us, talk like us, act like us, and that the united America would come together. And I felt that was a more united America. As things turned out, I didn't see all that coming. So we talked about the blind spots. What, um, what other blind spots are there? You talked about history, but you list about seven of yeah, them. Yeah, the, the, the first one is, you know, history. And then we there's a misunderstanding uh, Black identity. Again, all of that's related to our, to our history. Misunderstanding language. Again, yes, I speak English like, are you talking to me? I use an example of um, sunscreen for black women. We were not using sunscreen because there was a belief that, you know, melanin would protect us. It was it. that and we didn't need it. Or we just didn't understand 
the impact of the sun, even on darker skin. And so, and what we learned is that black people were um, being diagnosed with skin cancer at a less rate, but they were dying at a higher rate. So I did a ton of research with companies that had, had sunscreen products, but would not invest in doing research with black women for sunscreen. So what we saw when you think about social media as there's a galvanization of black women talking about sunscreen. So there was a black dermatologist that started this conversation, several of them females. And then there were these black experts. And then there were these just influencers with a raw message. So they said things like, we, uh, you know, melanin won't protect us. Or raw message was, bitches, we need sunscreen, use sunscreen. That message came across like crazy with um, black women. I mean, there were a lot of likes. There were a lot of, you know, uh, people, you know, subscribing to this woman's channel as a result of it. And now we have black girl sunscreen. Um, the, the, um, the gurus were also inviting people to do the ashy test, to try sunscreen out in the store. And if it left the ashy residue, then that's not for you. I'm sure some of these brands now, because we have black girl sunscreen, will probably buy her or develop formulas for her. But I have yet to see any advertising still targeted to black women. That's the misunderstanding of language mm -hmm. and, and what we need. Positive realism, authentic voices, is what we need to help identify our needs um, and to help tell our, our story, which is, which is so important. So that's one of the, uh, the, the missteps that brands have as it relates um, uh, to language. And then, you know, the, there's a deficit of empathy. Uh, in order to be able to look at our history and understand our value as a people in a market segment, um, you have to have an empathetic mindset or I. And empathy requires taking that finger and pointing it back on you or taking that mirror and looking at yourself and asking why. Um, the wrap up for the book, I always say, what do we do now with all this information? Begin with why. Why are black people the way they are? There's a perception that we just showed up with all of our issues and all of our wonderment. But to ask, why are we like that? Why are there food deserts? Why are there people that are angry? And I'm not condoning violence or anything, but the majority of black people are good people, hardworking people. But that's not what the story um, story How does is. the stereotype oh perpetuate itself? And how do we kill it? How do exactly. we change and it? And that stereotype started when they brought us, took us from our country, we were kings and queens and doing math and trusting. And I'm not saying there wasn't issues in those countries as well, but when they brought us here and we became less than. Well, America created the slave. That's right. So creating the slave, the first thing you had to do was strip the culture That's and right. the language and the history That's right. of this new people. That's we created Amer uh, the, the That's Negro. That's true because the, the, the Moors in Europe were wealthy and included. And yes. that Bridgerton series that uh, Shonda oh, Rhimes does with the, with the black people that were wealthy, that is true. For sure it's true. It's all about the image, the perception. Yeah. Pepper Miller, 
Market Research, new book, Let Me Explain Black Again. She explores the blind spots, gives us black insights on marketing and understanding black culture and perspectives and cross-generations. Pepper, thank you, and congratulations thank on, you, your, on your new book. Thank you, I so appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me.